Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every single part of Star Wars is great. 
from a certain point of view. I'm your host. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. With me, as always, is my special guest, a guest that is special every time. No, it is not Colt 45. It is a small sip of whiskey. Here is what my special guest sounds like. Ah, tastes special. And speaking of special, we have two very special grievances for this episode. They are solo grievances. Two solo grievances. That's right. If you've never listened to Star Wars Counseling before, this is the deal. I take grievances, sometimes with guests who are humans and not whiskey, sometimes just whiskey, things about Star Wars uh, that people are upset by, and I try to make them feel better by looking at it from lots of different points of view. As I said, these are grievances from the film Solo, colon, A Star Wars Story. I'm still working through them all. There weren't as many as there were for previous films, but there's still some interesting things to talk about in Solo, some different little idiosyncratic things that bugged people. So let's get right into it. Let's punch it, Chewie. Our first grievance comes from Ryan Drugmuller. I believe I'm saying that correct, but boy, could I ever be wrong. R-Y-N-E, first name, Ryan, Drogmuller, D-R-O-G-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. If your name is actually Ryan Drogmuller, that is so damn cool, and you should absolutely have a character named after you in Game of Thrones. Anyway, following up on that, Ryan's Twitter handle is at Red Talon Books, so who knows, maybe he already is in a Game of Thrones novel. I hope so. Anyway, at Red Talon Books, Ryan Drogmuller says, The only thing that I was a little annoyed with was Han's mystique felt weakened. I like that he built up the Kessel Run as this grandiose thing, but it felt like he barely did anything and just took credit for it. Alright, that is a very good grievance. There was a lot of worry before the film came out about... Would the mystique of the Kessel Run be lost? I talk often on uh, Force Center about tip of the iceberg storytelling. That was one of those great iceberg tips that we first heard in A New Hope. The Kessel Run. The Millennium Falcon is the ship that made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. What does that mean? What is the Kessel Run? It has been fleshed out in various books in the uh, old... EU, which is now Legends, of course, but now we were going to see it on film for sure. This is the current canon Kessel Run. Would it live up to our imaginations, or would it make us feel like we didn't need to see that? I, for one, really, really loved the Kessel Run. I love that it was bizarre. I love that it wasn't just a race. I love that it wasn't just uh, a route through dangerous territory. It was a route through dangerous territory that Han said, eh, screw it, let's take an even more dangerous route through even more unknown territory. I love that it was just bizarre and pulpy and B-movie. It was full of gravity wells and giant space monsters, and nothing makes me happier than a nice combination of gravity wells and space monsters. The space monster, by the way, I looked up, is named Summa Verminoth, S-U-M-M-A-V-E-R-M-I-N-O-T-H, Summa Verminoth. I have a pet theory 
that Lucasfilm is making Star Wars names even more difficult to remember than they used to be just to make trivia contests even more difficult for those of us who do trivia. But I'm going to say it three times so I try to remember if I'm ever asked in trivia. The space monster in the Kessel Run is called a Summer Verminoth, Summer Verminoth, Summer Verminoth. The, mm, damn it, I got it wrong on the third one. Some of Vermanoth. Thank you for helping me study. Back to the grievance. Uh, I think uh, Ryan makes a really good point about how grandiose should the Kessel Run be compared to the way Han describes it versus what we actually saw on screen. And I like that Han does make it sound like a big, grandiose thing because I think that's his character. Every time he's mentioned it, he's mentioned it with such pride that everybody should know exactly what he means by it and should be so incredibly impressed by it because I think that is his character. He brags and he exaggerates. Whenever he thinks he's about to do something cool, he really wants credit for it. Great times in Empire Strikes Back where he says, watch this, and then the Falcon doesn't work. That general vibe seems there with the entire through line of what the Kessel Run is in Han's imagination and how he uses it to brag to other people and build himself up. And we get that in the solo movie right away. I love that even after we just saw this, what I think is impressive run, and we'll discuss more whether or not it is impressive. I found it impressive. And then, what does he say to Chewie? He says, wow, we made it in this amount of time. And Chewie's like, mm. it's like, well, if you round down 12 parsecs. Rounding down to 12 parsecs. That should be on Han's resume under special skills. So that's my first bit of counseling, Ryan. Uh, depending on your perspective, I would think the Kessel Run should sound like a grandiose thing, even if it was just Han crossed a busy street and he didn't use the crosswalk, and that's what the Kessel Run ended up being. Han would still brag about it because that's what Han does. Now, that said, I think that Han actually does do a lot of grandiose, impressive things. That's uh, what Ryan is bringing up in his grievance that he felt like Han barely did anything and just took credit for it. Now, Han is, of course, the kind of guy to take credit for things. That's a part of his legend. But I think he deserves to take credit for the Kessel Run because first, and most importantly, it's his idea. Not just to do the Kessel Run, but to cut through into that sort of unknown territory in the whole Kessel Run Maw area. So... Other people, other heroes, other resourceful, skilled pilots and mercenaries and gamblers, all bounty hunters, criminals, that cockpit ship full of cool, smart, resourceful people, and they're all saying, we've run out of time, the coaxium is going to explode, the Kessel Run cannot be made in this time, and instead of accepting that, Han says, you know what? If you're telling me that we can't make this crazy, dangerous run in this amount of time, I've got an idea. What if we make an even crazier, more dangerous run by just going all the way off the map, where other people on that ship, on the Millennium Falcon, saw certain defeat and death, Han saw a different uncharted route. And I think this is, to me, something just that just excites me about a hero. When a hero is like, ah, I'm at point A, I need to get to point B, 
I can't go to point B the way that was planned. So instead of just accepting defeat, I'm going to take a crazy route to point B. And this is literal. He literally takes a crazy route to point B, and it is incredibly dangerous. Now, I understand the sentiment that once Han makes this crazy decision, it's like a lot of crazy decisions that Han makes, incredibly dangerous, and maybe you can't actually practically see it through. Maybe it's a bad idea. Like, again, Han says in Empire Strikes Back, you know, maybe, maybe you were right, this is a bad idea, about going into the asteroid field. So first, Han makes the brave, crazy, grandiose, cool decision to go off the charted course, off of this uh, path that is known, and then when he realizes he's in trouble, he's got an idea. It is Han's idea to plug L3's memory into the Falcon's Nava computer. Han had been listening when Lando was bragging about what a great map of the galaxy, what great navigational skills that L3 had, and Han has the idea to actually plug her in. So, uh, you can argue that, well, yeah, Han did this crazy thing, but he couldn't actually pull it off himself because he needed L3 to navigate. Yes, and I want to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment, but it is important to remember, it's Han's idea. It's a great example where Han has a crazy, dangerous idea, but he actually does have a little bit more reasonable idea to back up how he's going to get through there. And on an even deeper level to his character, if you look at the Kessel Run, it's like, oh yeah, Han did a lot of cool things, but it was L3. They never would have got through that without L3. That's a fair point. But you also have to remember, the remnants of L3 would not even be on the Falcon if Han hadn't made that very honest to his character of ultimately being the good guy, that decision on Kessel to go back for Lando and L3. L3 gets shot, Lando runs after her, and then Han makes that decision to run after Lando and L3. Now, if Han was truly the cutthroat smuggler bad boy that he wanted to believe he was, he could have just left them. He wanted Lando's ship anyway. They would have probably died or been taken captive uh, by the Pike Syndicate. But no, Han went back for them. And that is why L3 is on this ship anyway, to save Han's ass. L3 can only save Han's ass because Han already saved L3 and Lando's ass out of the goodness of his heart. Ass saving comes from the heart. That's what I'm saying. So the whole thing, the decision to go into the uncharted territory and then charting it with L3, that's Han and L3 and even Lando working together to get her actually uh, plugged into the Falcon's Nava computer. But along with that, Han comes up with several clever piloting maneuvers. It was one of my biggest worries going into Solo. Like, I don't want to just see him behind the controls of the Falcon. I want to see him do some cool things. I loved the landing gear maneuver. That's a cool thing that he came up with to get rid of uh, some of the ties. Then when they uh, run into the Sum of Verminoth, Sum of Verminoth, Sum of Verminoth, he has the great idea to launch the escape pod at it. He has the very dangerous idea to go a little bit closer to that gravity well. That almost doesn't work out for him. And, of course, as they actually escape, he perfects the maneuver he's been working on throughout the movie, the maneuver that becomes a signature Solo Falcon Maneuver, which is fly sideways through a quickly closing or small space. Flying sideways through a small space should also 
be on Han Solo's resume under special skills. So I would argue a Han Solo does lots of cool, grandiose things in the Kessel Run, and yet I agree with you, Ryan, he does not do them all by himself. Is it Ryan? Ryan? Anyway, I apologize. He does not do all of these cool things by himself. This is still a team effort. It takes everyone to get that drop of coaxium to rocket the Falcon out of there and make the ultimate escape from the Kessel Run and get to Savarine in time. And this, I think, is important and cool for a couple different reasons. Han almost always says the Falcon was the ship that made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. He does have uh, some banter back and forth with Lando about, oh, it's not the ship that made it, it's the captain, it's the pilot, but they were all on that ship. And as much as Han talks about being a loner, he's always traveling with Chewie, and he's always kind of longing for a larger crew. He also wants to travel with Kira, he wants to be partners with Beckett. When he meets Luke and sees that he's good in a fight, he tries to invite Luke to join the Falcon crew. When he meets Rey and see that, sees that she's talented, that she's a great pilot and knows the Falcon and respects it, he tries to invite her to join the crew. Han wants there to be a crew on the Falcon, and I think there's something cool about, yes, Han did a lot of the work, a lot of the ideas, a lot of the cool piloting, but ultimately... He had this support network on the Falcon as he made it through the Kessel Run as the ship, not just Han, but the ship, the Millennium Falcon, made the Kessel Run. I also think that individual heroics still being part of a team is one of the biggest lessons of Star Wars. We can all focus on our favorite heroes and we can all think of like amazing moments where they did amazing things, but no matter how much you're the hero, how much you're the chosen one in Star Wars, you always need help. Luke, the new hope, I believe, is the only one who could have actually used the Force to get those proton torpedoes into that Death Star shaft. Luke is the only one who could have blown up the Death Star, but he would have been blown to bits seconds earlier by his own father without Han and Chewie and the Falcon and L3 and the Nava computer, maybe even. But the point is, Chewie should have gotten a medal. That's one of the points. The other point is, even one of the most iconic moments of heroism from the original Star Wars movie is teamwork. Anakin Skywalker, the chosen one, could never have destroyed Palpatine and ended the reign of the Sith without Luke right there to give him something to fight for a reason to save something he loved, not just destroy something he hated, i.e. Palpatine, but save something he loved, Luke. So even the Chosen One could not fulfill his prophecy without someone there. I know I'm just talking wildly about opinions about prophecy. That's just my opinion. Everybody has different Chosen One prophecy theories, and I respect that. Going forward to the sequel trilogy, Rey could not have defeated Kylo Ren in the forest on Starkiller Base without Finn's heroism, without him giving her the example of picking up that lightsaber and saying no and standing up for her, and uh, then watching him be wounded and knowing that she needed to defend her friend to save her friend, and she would not have been able to beat Kylo if she had not taken Maz's advice from earlier in the, the castle on Takodana 
the advice from Oz that Ray should close her eyes and feel the light, which is exactly what she does. And without that little bit of guidance from Oz, she never would have been able to tap into the Force and defeat Kylo. Again, that is my interpretation of the film. Even, even Ponda Baba and Dr. Evazan had to work together to get themselves hacked apart by Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was a team effort to be big jerks who wouldn't back down until you made a Jedi Master cut you up. It takes at least two to do that. So my big picture counseling is yes, it might seem like Han is making more of the Kessel run than it really is, but that's kind of his thing. That's what he does. And if you really break it down, Han does a lot of different things that are worth bragging about in making this amazing, adventurous Kessel run that does have the heightened stakes of it's not just that it was a race, it's that they were all going to die. The Falcon would have been blown apart. He saved their lives, he saved the future of the galaxy, as he is a very important hero in the galaxy, by making it through that Kessel Run. And most importantly to me, he has the bravery and the creativity to just try something bold and different. Now, if that doesn't work for you, if that counseling doesn't make you feel better, you can imagine that this part of the movie Solo is actually adapted from Lando's novel, the one that we see him working on about the adventures of Lando Calrissian. And maybe, since this particular chapter, The Kessel Run, is an adaptation of Lando's novel, maybe Lando was downplaying what Han did to make him, Lando, look like the better captain of the Falcon. I think that's fine headcanon, too. Thanks for the great grievance at Red Talon Books. I enjoy talking about the Kessel Run and the excuse to keep repeating some of Verminoth to myself so that I might remember it. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let's move on to our next grievance. This one comes from a patron on our Patreon page. It is Eric Santiago. Eric says, Why did Maul feel the need to twirl his lightsaber during the hollow call? Kira clearly knew who he was, and it just made him look silly. This is a delightful question. It is so specific and idiosyncratic. I love it. Thank you, Eric. So I'm going to say right away, I respect your opinion that twirling the lightsaber made him look silly. I don't personally agree, but I respect your opinion. I love these kinds of conversations to find out what different fans think is too silly because we all have our lines of what is too silly in Star Wars, and that silly line gets crossed and it gets annoying. It's such a fun conversation to have because silliness is baked into Star Wars, but so is really cool stuff. Star Wars is a strange meeting place between the absolutely just dorky silly and the, like, coolest, most impressive badassery. For example, in this instance, you can say to yourself, Hey, this demon man with horns on his head and robot legs because he got cut in half in his first film appearance 20 years ago is cool as hell. But twirling the lightsaber is a bit much. For other people... Twirling the lightsaber might be badass, and the robot legs might be like, come on. I have my things where I'm like, come on, too silly for me. I do not like uh, Vader's dad joke in Rogue One. I love that he has a castle built on a lava mountain, so he can look out at the place where his best friend cut his limbs off. And I love that Vader holds just kind of middle management business meetings there. All that to me is awesome, but the pun... The pun is too far. That's where I go like, this is silly. I mean, I love 
that there is this uh, chosen one who had his limbs hacked off on this very planet, and he has to meditate by taking a bath in medicine soup while a weird guy in a robe basically has to come in and say, uh, your next appointment is here, so you should put your limbs back on and go talk to that guy. All that is great, but puns? No, I'm out. So all of that to say, Eric, while I don't agree with you, I respect where you're coming from, so let's talk about this moment of silliness. So, I think there are two reasons that Maul calls the lightsaber over to him, ignites it, and plays with it a bit. Uh, And I think that is, one, for the audience. I think the audience needed to see that lightsaber to really connect with Maul. I think there are fans out there who would have known, like, yep, that's Maul, and then people would have been like, well, then, why why wasn't he more Maul-like? Why didn't he do something menacing? Why didn't he force choke someone or turn on a lightsaber? So I think maybe there had been, uh, there'd been some concern with that. I know there were reshoots around that to make it more Maul-like. Maybe we'll get all of the details when the solo Blu-ray and home video comes out. But I think for audiences that vaguely remembered Maul, or maybe didn't remember Maul, I think it was important to the filmmakers to really, really make sure the audience knew who this character was. Even if they didn't know, like, ah, yes, Darth Maul, cut in half by Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Phantom Menace in 1999, and then in The Clone Wars, he was uh, found to be alive and had several different pairs of robot legs, and then, of course, his, uh, his mother, Mother Talzin, infused him with blah, blah, blah. I don't think that they were trying to make sure that audiences knew that. I think they're trying to make sure that even if you didn't know the whole backstory of Maul immediately, you could key into the idea of like, oh, he is a dark side, scary force user with a lightsaber. I think that's important because so much of the story of Solo is built on this secret that it seems like most people involved with Crimson Dawn are vaguely aware Beckett seems to be vaguely aware. Certainly Dryden Voss is very much aware. Most importantly, it is something that Kira knows very well, but Han doesn't. And they, in fact, have that exchange of dialogue in the elevator where Han says to Kira, you don't know everything. And Kira says, no, but I know just a little more than you. And what she knows is this is why she can't run away from Crimson Dawn. This is why Han can't just take out whoever is the leader of Crimson Dawn. He says at one point, like, I'm not afraid of Crimson Dawn. And the audience needs to feel that weight because it's been built up so much. So I feel like we need to see the lightsaber. We need to see the power and the threat that that implies. We as an audience need to understand that this person leading Crimson Dawn, Maul, is someone that Han Solo can't just beat unless you you play battlefront 2 in which case every time i play han solo i make it my personal mission to hunt down whoever's playing maul and try to take them out with a detonite charge anyway that's more about me i also think knowing the full threat of maul is necessary for kira's story to understand why she wants to try to convince maul that it was just beckett who did this. It was just Beckett who slaughtered Dryden Voss. There was no one else around. She's trying to keep Han out of it so she can keep him from ending up on the other end of that crimson blade of Maul's. And I think seeing the crimson blade 
seeing the threat, even a threatening twirl, we'll get to the twirl, uh, is really important for audiences to connect and resolve that story. So that's kind of real-world storytelling. What does Maul having the lightsaber communicate to the audience? But I think it is also important in the actual story to the characters who exist. Uh, I think Maul is doing it on purpose. I don't think this is something where it's shoved in because, like, there's no reason for Maul to call his lightsaber over, but we need it for the audience. I think it works on the other level where Maul is doing it on purpose for intimidation. That's how Maul works. That's how most dark side forced users work. He wants to really terrify Kira to keep her in line. I think him calling that lightsaber over and even twirling it, it's like a mobster walking around a dinner table playing with a baseball bat. It is that reminder that sudden violence could occur at any moment. And more than that, it is a reminder that Maul is not just another crime boss. He's not a hut with a monocle or a weird hat eating frogs out of a snack aquarium. He's not yet another scarred badass with a blaster. He is a force user. He is a former Sith. He is a force of darkness. He holds a lightsaber, a weapon that for the most part has disappeared from the galaxy, a weapon that for the most part is only at that time being used by brutal enforcers of the Empire. Anyone else who has a lightsaber is at great risk of being attacked and destroyed by the boot of the Empire. But Maul has his. A red and black tattooed snarling guy with messed up teeth, horns on his head, and robot legs is always gonna be scary. But a lightsaber makes it even scarier. A double-bladed lightsaber makes it even scarier. But at this point in Star Wars galactic history, having a lightsaber at all is even scarier. It is a symbol of defiance and death and power and a reminder, I'm sure to Dryden Voss before her and to Kira now, no one can stand up to me. It doesn't matter how many blasters you have. It doesn't matter how clever you are. It doesn't matter how you come at me. I have the force, and I have a lightsaber. I think that's what Maul is trying to not so subtly remind Kira, and I think it works. We see that great shot of her trying to keep her composure, but she is clearly concerned, and we see in her eyes the reflection of that glowing lightsaber. So I'm all down with the lightsaber. I think it makes sense for communicating the story to the audience. I think it makes sense for Maul to be using as a tool of intimidation. Let's talk about twirling. Here's my counseling for twirling. Apparently, Jedi, Sith, Force users in general can't help themselves but twirl because they are always and forever twirling. There were so many superfluous twirls in the prequel era. Obi-Wan Kenobi could not stop twirling. Even Yoda does some, what was that for twirl? Were you just, were you really, were you just kind of mugging for the camera, Yoda? So I think it is a part of the story. Here is a a side note. I was once in a production of Macbeth. I got to have a broadsword and I twirled it like Obi-Wan Kenobi, just that little from the wrist, just a little spin, nothing too fancy because that's all I could manage. And the fight choreographer said, yeah, um, there's no reason a 
a Scottish warrior would would twirl a broadsword like that. But then the whole cast was like, yeah, but it looks cool. So I got to do it. I got to twirl a broadsword because it looks cool. And I think a big part of twirling is just the looking cool factor. Now, I understand it did not work for Eric. It looked silly. So maybe there is an in-universe reason. Maybe maybe uh, fighters twirl their blades because it reminds you of the weapon's balance. Maybe it is helping force users forge a, a stronger connection to the kyber crystal. Maybe it is just continuing movement. Maybe it is a part of certain lightsaber forms. I like to think that the characters in Star Wars, though, are just like us. They're just going like, it makes a really cool noise when I do that. And it looks cool. And I feel cool. And other people feel frightened. If you're a dark force user and you're trying to make people frightened. And you just think, this is so cool. Not only does that person have a lightsaber, but when they twirl it, it goes. And it's terrifying. So my main counseling is that the lightsaber and the twirl are there to sell the power and the intimidation to both the real-world audience and for Maul, his audience of one, that audience being Kira. Now, if none of that helps, here's one final bit of counseling. Maybe the lightsaber wasn't for Kira at all. Maybe, right then, a bunch of Inquisitors were busting in to attack Maul, and he was like, uh, I need to wrap up this holo call because I have to fight some people. And maybe he was just finishing up his call and going like, oh, yeah, um, well, this will probably scare her, too. She can't see that there are Inquisitors busting in behind me, but I'll just call it over. I'll ignite it. And then as soon as I turn the call off, I will fight for my life. I think that is some fine headcanon. Or, or if you really want to go crazy, maybe it was a cold night on Dathomir. I don't know how cold Dathomir can get canonically, but maybe it was a really cold night. Maul was very tired. He wanted to go to sleep, and he was about to cut open a tauntaun to sleep in and snuggle up all nice and warm. That is a children's book I would never want to read. Night Night Mall, where he climbs inside a tauntaun. I don't know if that helps or only makes things worse, but my point is, you can imagine lots of cool things going on on the other side of that hollow call, and maybe that will bring you toward the light side of the Force when you think about Maul and his lightsaber at the end of Solo, A Star Wars Story. Anyway, I hope that counseling helps. Thanks for sending in those great questions, and even if it doesn't help, I hope it was fun to just think about things from a couple different points of view. I've got a lot more Solo grievances that people have sent in. Again, there are a lot of weird, fun little things. For the most part, I think uh, at least fans of Force Center Really like Solo. Can't wait until it comes out on a Blu-ray home video, and maybe we'll dig into it even more. In the meantime, please keep sending in your grievances. They can be about Solo. They can be about Last Jedi. They can be about the Caravan of Courage Ewok movie, and I'll dig into that. Use the hashtag Star Wars Counseling. That's counseling spelled with an S. Using those hashtags makes it super easy for me to find the grievances when I'm collecting them later. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed. That's all on my website at Joseph 
scrimshaw.com. You can also like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can also support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center. We recently recorded commentary for The Last Jedi that was made possible by your kind support on Patreon. We got even more goals there, so go check them out. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one, that's it for Star Wars Counseling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 